Here's, here's, what, here's the way I want to start this. I got a five-year-old daughter, right? And um, to, to kind of give you a, um, an idea of where this is going, when she was a baby, when she was a, 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 she actually started talking really early. Her motor skills came a little later, but she was actually talking, like making phrases, sentences, at like, um, at like I, I don't need that anymore, brother sound man. Y'all just clap for the sound man real quick. Let's, let's encourage him. He's filling in today. One of our people are out. He's doing a good job. I love him. Um, <laughs> he's back there like, oh. Um, um, it's all right. So anyway, when my, when my daughter was little and she was waddling around the house, about six or seven months, she started making phrases. Six or seven months. And she was saying stuff like blowing us away, wasn't she, Ghislaine? We was just like, what? Like looking at her like, what did you say? And and so what I thought was funny, as soon as she could group a few words together, she started hitting us with questions. <laughs> Y'all have kids that just ask too many questions? And, and, and so the one, her biggest question is, is, this is what's funny, this is what's ironic. Her biggest question was the same question that we have today as adults. The biggest question is the same one, right? Her biggest question was, can y'all guess it? It's a one-word question. Why? Time to go to bed. Why? Time to eat. Why? Time to take a bath. Why? Brush your teeth. Why? Because she wants to know why. Why do I need to do these things? And so this is, this is what's funny. So I got a couple of the most popular. How many of y'all got kids? Let me just see. Children. Moms, dads. Okay. This is some of the most popular questions. If, if your kids are little, you're going to get these. So just pay attention. If you don't have kids and you plan to have some, get ready. Here's, here's what they're going to say to you. This is the most popular questions. Uh, Mom, dad, why is water wet? And these are hard questions to answer, by the way. These are like scientific questions. Like, it just is. Leave me alone. All right. Where does the sky end? And I thought I was reading these questions to my daughter last night. She was like, she didn't think of these yet. And she was like, yeah, why is water wet? And I was like, oh. She said, uh, here's another one. What are shadows made of? Some of y'all are like, yeah, I've been wondering that. Why is the sky blue? And, and here's another good one. How do fish breathe underwater? How do they breathe? Like, how do, don't they need air? Because to, to children, everybody should be doing what they're doing. We all breathe air, right? So she's like, you know, and parents, don't we struggle to answer these questions? I know I do. So and look, here's the funny thing. As you get older, it's funny, but it's, it's really ironic. The questions are very important, but they get to be a little more serious, and it's not so cute when you don't know something. Right? Like, like, for real. Like, so a lot of people, they come to church because they got this huge question in their heart. Why? Because it's not really funny. You know, you're born into the situation that you get born into. You don't get to choose your family. You don't get to choose your, your, your pedigree, your background. You don't get to choose your hair color. You don't get to choose how tall you are. You don't get to choose anything. You just get put here. And you, and you kind of go, why? And you ever just get, you know, we really want to control our circumstances in life, right? I mean, we really want to be able to control our outcomes. That's why we all went to school, right? That's why we started a business. Because we want to be able to control our outcomes to a degree. We know we can't control everything, but life tells us that the way the system works is if you go to school and you get a good education and you stick with it and you get in a company and you start on the, on the ground floor and you work your way up, you can have control of some things. And that is what excites us about that whole systematic 
uh, approach to life. Like, yeah, so I, I'm, you know, I'm well able to get a job, and and now I can, can kind of control when my kids go to school, and I can kind of control what kind of car I have, and I can kind of control where I live if I do this right. I can kind of control the situation, or at least we feel like we're in control. I bet in 2007, some of us thought we had a good financial grip on some stuff. And then everything flipped upside down, and maybe your market or your job laid off, or maybe, you know, especially the job I was doing at the time, it was like there was no contracts out there. There was nothing to do. You know, people started pulling their money out of the bank. People started holding on to it, and you realized real quickly, wait, I'm not in control. I thought I was. And what makes the kingdom of God concept so appealing? Jesus said this, when the kingdom of God is preached, men will come pressing their way to get into it. Pressing their way. Why? Because it gives you control over circumstances. You become, the Bible says in Deuteronomy, that once the blessing of the Lord comes upon you, that now you become the head and not the tail. You're above only. I like how they threw that word only in there. You're above only and never beneath. Now you are the lender and not the borrower. Am I talking to anybody? Because whenever you are in control of things and, and you feel like you are, sometimes you realize that you're not. But when you get into the kingdom of God, Jesus says, I will bless you so much that now you will be over, above, and never beneath. Even when it looks like you're beneath, I'm actually making that bless you. I'm preaching. So listen to these questions. The older you get, the harder it gets. I'm introducing the kingdom concept, so you got to go with me on this journey, okay? Because as we build on this, next week and the weeks after, we're going to specific keys, okay? Specific things. But if you don't have this concept, deep, like, wrap your mind around it really good today, we'll be losing you in some of the, the next ones. And matter of fact, I would go, and as soon as this one is available online, listen to it again and again. Take very good notes today. <clears throat> Here's some questions. Now, people, you know, they're looking for... Everybody wants to have a great life, a meaningful life, a significant existence. That's what we're all looking for. And instead, we're settling for less than what our potential has to offer us. You know, we're settling for less. And, and life, sometimes you get up in the morning and, yeah, I got a job, but what is the meaning of this whole thing? The big question and the big word is meaning. What, is, what does it mean to live? And, and so when you can answer that question, you're always in control. But watch this. You're born, you're born, you live, you die, but was anything impacted? You know, I know old people that the only thing, here's what's sad. Once you get old and the retirement thing is over, you just kind of sit there. Y'all know this? Here's, here's some good news for some people. If you're in the kingdom life, there is no retirement. God is going to use you. Until the day you breathe your last and you will be completely fulfilled every day of your life because God is using you every day of your life. Because when you get up, it's now no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. So when you get up, you realize, wait, it doesn't even matter what I want. God, what do you want? And that is a fulfilling life. Because the more you try to please yourself, the more it's kind of like hunger. When you're a child, you know the reason children, they develop hunger. You develop hunger by eating. The moment you eat, you get a craving for food. The moment you have solid food, you don't want milk anymore. So it's the same way. If you begin to live inside the kingdom life, you start to desire something greater. And then you become the strange one around your job or your family because now you realize, wait, we've all been doing this religious dance, and there's a big meaning to this whole thing. Because religion always points you back to you. Religion points at people. 
right? Religion takes you, moves you through a bunch of rituals, a bunch of ceremonies, a bunch of whatever it is, and it always points you being blessed back to what you can do, back to how you, you know, achieve, you, you know, you did the rituals just right. You went to, even Christianity, y'all, we put it right in the same category we do of religion, you, you, listen, religion reduces, and I'm going to introduce some terms to you. Religion reduces citizens to church members. Listen to what I said. Religion reduces a citizen, a citizen of a country with government, rights, privileges, advantages, to a church member. Church member, this is why situations are out of control in your life, because church members have no rights in God's house. See, Jesus came, and he came to bring the kingdom. As a matter of fact, I'm getting ready to prove it some more to you, but the questions go on in our life. It, it, it really makes, you know, when you see yourself as a church, now we have church membership available here, but it's members, you are not members of the church, you are members of the body. The Bible says you are a member of the body, which means you have a gift, you have a talent, you have an ability, you have a measure of grace God has given you, and you are supposed to take that, and join it with us, and so we can move as a body. As a matter of fact, y'all see me playing the piano some weeks. You know what? I need a piano player. You know why? Because I can play the piano, but that's not my dominant gift. I would love to just be standing here preaching and somebody else back there playing. Somebody in this room knows a piano player that can play, and we just need you to bring it on to the body. Let your gift plug in, and you got it. And this is when the body begins to make sense. Some of y'all got all gifts and abilities, and we're waiting on you to come and plug in because right now you know the church as it grows it kind of starts off you know one legged one foot one eye <laughs> until somebody walks in the door and says oh I can do that then we have two feet then we have two hands then we have two and we just continue to move forward and be efficient that's that's what membership is but watch the, here's the new questions have you ever thought this why is there so much pain and suffering in the world if God is so good God is in control, right? Right? That's a question. Hmm. So if, he, if God is, listen to this concept. If God is in control, then if I'm not blessed, he must be mad at me. But that can't be right because he put Jesus on the cross and the Bible says that now there is no more consciousness of my sin. So he must not be mad at me. Or, no, God must be a mean God. That's what it is. God's a mean God because if he's in control but he's not blessing me and stuff is out of control in my life, then that means he's mean. Sometimes I, I take stuff from my daughter and she's like, you're mean, daddy. And I'm like, whatever. This is my house. You're going to hurt yourself with that. It's right? So, or, or, no, God must be in the same line of all the other gods and he must be just an evil God. Maybe he's playing games with us. Maybe this is an experiment that, that God is down here. He's practicing something. He's trying something out. And we, we are all just kind of like God's little game. And he's just moving us around and, and laughing at us and like, look at that. Uh-huh. You know, look at what they're doing. Maybe, maybe that's what it is because if God is in control, maybe that's what it is. Or maybe I must be bad and I don't deserve his blessing. All these are religious concepts. You know why that thing happened in your life? Because you're bad, because you're living in sin. That's why. That's why. Because you're living in sin. I got news for you. People that Jesus didn't even know. You can read John chapter 5. Jesus healed a man that didn't even know who he was. Jesus lays hands on a man, gives him sight, and the man didn't. They said, who healed you? He said, I don't even know him. 
how, how, how then is it that I have to be a church member to get something from my king? Couldn't it just be that his grace comes upon me and that he can touch me because he wants to? And could it be that Romans 2.12, I think it's 2.12, it says it is the goodness of God that leads a man to repent. Couldn't it be that? Couldn't it be that while I was a sinner and Jesus died for me, couldn't it be that no, I didn't qualify for any of the blessings that I got and the things that I'm thinking that God is withholding from me is just simply the fact that I don't know how to operate the kingdom and it's not God being mad at me at all. And what if I got in control of these things? Wouldn't I be able to control my circumstances? Hmm. Is God in control? God's not in control, y'all. I'm going to prove it to you in a second. Why do people get sick? I go to church. Why am I still struggling? I love Jesus. Why am I still broke? My family is still in shambles. I pray. Why can't I get my breakthrough? Why can't I control my circumstances in life? If God is good, where's my stuff? What happens when I die? Religion always tries to answer these questions for you, but they come up with nothing. Which religion? Which belief? Which denomination? Which one is right? There's so many. Which one do I do? Should I be a Baptist? Should I be a Methodist, a Presbyterian? Should I mix them all together and do a little bit of both? Should I be a Buddhist, a Hinduist? Should I be a Baha'i? Should I be Rastafarian? Should I, what should I do? Have you ever had a question like, which one is right? Am I sitting in the right room this morning? I'm in a Christian church, but is this one right? It's just Christianity. It's the same as the rest. All the other people that are not in church this morning think they're right. They'll argue you down. And if you don't get this concept that I'm going to give you today, you will have no answer. You have no answer. And see, this freed me because my, this was my problem. My problem was when, when I was, uh, you know, I knew church, because this is the South, churches are everywhere. But I still had a problem. I said, well, well what about this Bible? Didn't man write the Bible? And, and, and the enemy was just, and he just loves to throw little doubts in your mind. I said, well, what about church? How do we know that Muhammad wasn't correct? How do we know that Buddha wasn't correct? How do we know? Because it's just a bunch of people making up stuff, right? Come on, don't tell me I'm the only one that ever thought this. Here's, here's the problem, though. Here's the problem, though. See, see, religion gives you all of these thoughts, but a kingdom is about authority. Now, if I have authority, I should be able to control some stuff. If I have authority, that means I should be able to dictate some circumstances. And if I have authority, that means that Christianity is right and religions are wrong. The difference, let me, let me give you a quick little, I don't even remember if I put the scripture in my notes, but one time Jesus went through and he was teaching in the synagogues, right? He heals a man. And the religious people, the religious people said, wow, that is amazing. His teachings are different from ours because he teaches, watch their words, like a man having authority. I feel this in my knees, y'all. A man, this is the difference. Why is Jesus so different? Because he is a man have authority. If, if the kingdom concept is right, then you will have authority. Yeah, you have control of the circumstances because religion is going to teach you how to kind of cope with your issue. Cope with your guilt. You know, cope with the, appease this certain God. Appease, you know, give them money and give them, look, in some religions they leave food out. And then the rats come and eat it and they say God ate it. You know, and seriously, you study some of this stuff. They make up stuff. I'm telling you, they sit around all day and they look for knowledge, for power. They, they meditate and they try to get power by having knowledge. You can have all the knowledge you want. Listen, here's what's funny. Okay, let me give you the church example. Because a lot of people are into that new age, knowledge, enlightenment. Let me tell you something. You can know all you want to. But if you come in this church 
and you tell me how it's going to run, and you might know more than me, right? I'm going to look at you and say, no. And you know why I can do that? Because I have authority. You know more than me, but I have authority. Are you seeing what I'm saying? You know more than me, but I have authority. You might know more verses than me, but I have authority. I can change the situation, and you can't, because it's not my knowledge. It's my authority. That's good stuff. Y'all ain't never heard this in your life, ever. So have you, have you ever looked at your car, looked at your house, looked at your children, even had that deep question in your own soul, and like, you couldn't answer it? It's like, what is this? What is this all about? And so mankind, since they don't know, since they don't know, we make up answers to, to just cope with our conscience. By the way, Jesus proved his authority over, de over demons. He casted them out. He proved his authority over the oceans, the wind, and the waves, and he spoke to it and said, be still. Y'all know when you have authority, you don't have to do, you just speak. Right? When my daddy used to speak, his authority made me stop. He didn't have to grab me. You know, unless I was acting real crazy, he would grab me up. But, but authority stops everything. The policeman that pulls you over and gives you a ticket can be this tall and a lady. But she's got a badge on, and guess what? Whatever she says, you do it. If she says, get out of the car and spread them, you better get out of the car. And she's going to search your vehicle. Why? Because she doesn't represent her. It's not her by herself. When she has that badge on, she represents the entire police force. And when she speaks, the entire police force is with her. And when you speak and you're under the kingdom, the entire government is with you. This is so different than religion. Because, see, I have authority over situations. I have authority. It's very different. It's very different. We can't take Jesus and reduce him to a religious leader. He's a king. And, and the Bible said when he stood in front of Pontius Pilate before he was getting ready to be uh, crucified, he stood there and Pilate said, are you a king? And Jesus finally answers and he said, you're right in saying that I'm a king. But my kingdom is not from this world. It's from another place. In other words, I just came here to do a job. And then I'm going to go back to my kingdom. I am one. He said, I'm getting ready to prove that I have authority even over death itself. You know, they can find Muhammad's grave. They still worship it. They can find Buddha's grave. They still stand around it and worship it. Big giant statue in this big place. And they just stand around and look at it all day. Right? But they can't find Jesus' body. He's the only one that got up from death, and it was documented by hundreds of people that he had risen. He's the only one that proved, I have authority. I don't just have a religion, I have authority. Somebody say, I don't have religion. I have authority. And if you want, if you want power over your circumstances, y'all, you have got to hear me for what I'm saying. This is not no weird, new age thing I'm trying to get you. I am reading the Bible, the same one you got. I'm just going to show it to you for what it really is today. All right, so don't get weird on me, okay? We're talking about the kingdom, but roll with me. All right. So here's what people had come up with. This is, this is their best answer because they have no answers. Here's what they come up with. Religions. Here's the first answer people have. They create religions. They invent religions. Okay? They invent religions, and when that one doesn't work, they invent a new one. They put two or three of them together and invent a new one because they're still searching for meaning. They're still searching for control. They're still searching for power. But only one of these concepts comes with authority. 
As a matter of fact, in the Bible, one time Elijah has a bunch of prophets surrounding him and they're mocking God. They're mocking God. And finally, Elijah says, hey, why don't you call your gods and I'm going to call my God. We're going to build, a, build an altar right here. And this is what I want you to do. I want you to make it real hard. Dig a trench around it. Fill it with water. We're going to put the sacrifice on it. We're going to light it on fire. We're going to soak it in water, right? Right? We're not going to light it on fire. We're going to soak it in water. We're going to call on our gods. And it said for the whole day, the whole day. The other people danced around. They did their little dances. They did their little rituals. They begged. They cried out. And Elijah stood by and he was laughing at them. He, he, said, he said, maybe your God went on break. Maybe, he, maybe he's asleep. Maybe, I mean, because he's not responding. What's going on? And then when he called on God, fire came and did not only consume the sacrifice, but it also consumed the water that was in the trench and the wood and soaked it all up. And, and from that day, everybody turned and started to serve the real God. And how, do we go, how are we going to change Smyrna, Vinings, in Atlanta? Because we have to stop playing around with religion and serve the real God. Because if you walk in a situation with authority, people are going to say, how did you do that? My relative just died from that. How did you lay hands on yours and they got up? Because I have authority. That's why. Am I talking to anybody? So religions can't answer. They have so many different types, so many different ones. How do we know? Somebody's got to have authority in this place. Jesus hated religion because it made man depend on his own ability. Jesus hated religion. Because in a kingdom, all the citizens are dependent on the king's goodness. In a religion, you're dependent on your ability to appease God. I got to move on. I can't, can't mess with that too much. Also, one of our solutions was money. I thought if I had enough money, I could get freedom. Maybe if I have enough money, I can buy some peace, some joy. Maybe if I can pay all these bill collectors off, I'll have peace. But here's what's funny. As soon as you pay them all off and keep them quiet, you have peace for two or three days. Then that question is going to sink right back in. But what is the meaning of all this? I love how Ecclesiastes starts out, Solomon writes, he says, meaningless, meaningless. This whole thing is meaningless. And he was the richest and the wisest man that ever walked the face of the earth. And his writings was basically this. You can know everything and have everything. But if you don't have the meaning of everything, you have nothing. Wow. Maybe if I get married, maybe then I'll know what life is about. I'm just going to get married and have some fun. Oh, maybe if I get a career, that will give me meaning. Then I can just live for this company. Like I can live to work for them. That'll give me meaning. Now I feel fulfilled. And sometimes people actually take a job and work themselves so much just to keep themselves numb from the fact that they really don't have a direction. Yeah, because none of us really want to go work for that person we work for. I don't know. I dare to say 99% of us in this room walk in our jobs every day and just try to have a good attitude about it. We're not thrilled about it. We're not. Because you know why? Because there's a deep, like, purposeful desire that God put in you to do something, to be something, to go somewhere, to do something, to have meaning. There's a big hunger inside of you. So this whole thing is about, I'm, I'm, just, I'm laying a foundation because I know, you know, you're like, when are you going to start preaching? I'm preaching already. I'm preaching. Okay. Now let's go through Excel 101. We're going to start uh, Kingdom 101. We're going to start this with a very, very basic principle. And I got two thoughts and then I'm going to land this plane. Are y'all ready? 
Come on, let's bow our heads. Let's pray real quick. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to open our eyes, open our minds to what you're doing. This is a powerful day. I feel your presence. And God, I'm just asking you to just change people the way you did me, God. Let's open our hearts to the truth and let it set us all free. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles, and you can go to Genesis 1.26. Now, here's what I'm going to do. Genesis 1.26. This Bible, the first question we're going to answer is, what is the Bible about? What is the Bible about? And it's going to be a real simple answer. Now, look to the screen or look in your own notes there. Watch this. Genesis chapter 1. We find out what it's all about. Watch this. Then God said, let us make a man in our own image according to our likeness. Let him have dominion. Say dominion. Over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, the cattle, over all the earth. Say all the earth. And over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. All the creeps in your life, you got authority over them. Every creeping thing. It says everything that creeps. Amen. What? What? Here's the question. Here's the question. Listen. Write, write this question down. Write this question down. What would a king give his son for his birthday? Because this is Genesis chapter 1. We have not gotten into religion. Religion has not been created. This is pre-Bible days. This is not back when this happened. This story was passed back down and Moses wrote this book. This, this right here was passed through generations and before Moses wasn't even around. This, this got handed back. This was a story that God preserved to be written in the Bible. This is pre-Bible. This is what happened. What does a king give to his, his children? A king gives his children dominions. Kings do not give their children religions or any other thing. We're picking on religion because that's the biggest obstacle in our way. Once we're no longer religious-minded, we're going to be kingdom-minded, and good Lord, your life is going to another level. What did, okay, when you read Genesis 1.26 from now on, look, look. God said, let them have. He could have gave them anything. What did he give them? Dominion. I'm stopping right there because most of y'all are just like, I never really thought about that. What does a king give his child for his birthday? I gave my daughter a Barbie Jeep one time, a Barbie house, and, and you know, I, and everything I could think to give her to make her happy. But what does a king think about? A king thinks about making his child a king. Woo! See, if you had a really good business growing up, a profession, and maybe you, you know, wanted to follow in your father's footsteps and work for him or something, that happens all the time, you know? Like a guy who's a doctor, his son grows up and is a doctor. And a guy and a preacher, you know, sometimes his son will grow up and be a preacher. Or a guy who was a mechanic, his son might grow up and be a mechanic, right? If you're God's kid and he's a king, guess what he wants you to grow up to be? Yeah, because he... You see what I'm saying? I can feel this already. Like, like I, I understand your feeling. You feel like, if this is true, I have been bamboozled. All of these years I spent in church, nobody ever told me this. Because it was the same feeling I felt. All right. It gets worse. Come on, let's continue on. Watch this. 
He gives his children dominions. If I gave my daughter, for example, a restaurant to run and enjoy the benefits of ownership without the pain, listen, the benefits of ownership, think about that, without the pain of owning it. That's a kingdom shift in your mind right there. We have earth. God owns it. We have the benefits of ownership. He has the responsibility to keep it. The Bible says that he is Lord. The word Lord, this will be in your vocabulary. The word Lord means owner. So when I say bless the Lord, what I'm actually telling you is bless the owner of your life. How is it, Pastor Mike, that I can be over some circumstances and not beneath? Because you don't own yourself. And the concept is missing in America. The only concept we have in America of Lord is a land. And when something breaks down in your house and you're renting, who do you call? Why? So when you have pain in your body and I say pray, you got to call the owner. And you got to say your body has a pain in it. And I know you don't want it to have a pain in it because you own this. It's not mine. I'm just using it. God almighty. Everything I have, it belongs to him. I'm just using it. I have the benefits of ownership, but not the pain. I am opening up a can of worms in here. Listen, listen. Do you understand that? Ownership. Let's do this real quick together. Let's do this real quick together. Everybody take a deep breath. Ready? Let's do one more. Now, the Bible says... Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Now, you didn't understand that scripture until I told you who owned the oxygen. And now the king says, let everything that's using my oxygen bless my name when it comes back out. Let everything that is using my stuff give me glory. Let everything that's taking my stuff and benefiting from it praise my name. Do you understand? You got to understand the kingdom because Jesus said, listen, listen. Paul said, I'm buried in Christ's death. That means I'm dead. And then I'm raised to life by his resurrection. Then Paul says, it's not I. Because you say, well, Pastor Mike, you're still here. You're talking to me. No. See, then he says that now your outlook on life is this. It's not I that live, but it's Christ that lives in me. You understand? I have no more debts. I have no more issues. I have no more opinions about what's going on in the world. Because it's not I that live. Mike died. And now everything I have and everything I do and everything I can do is through his power that's at work within me. So he took ownership of my life. And when you get saved, you don't just get a ticket to heaven. Salvation is, it's, it's reconnection with your home government. That's what it is. Because the kingdom of God is a government. It's not a religion. And when you come to a new country and you have to get your citizenship, you don't have rights in the country until you're a citizen. 
Paul said, my citizenship is not logged in the earth. It is registered in heaven. Look that scripture up in your Bible. Paul said, my citizenship is in heaven. What was he talking about? He said, everything I need and have and can do, everything that if I need protection, I am a citizen of heaven, so I need the army of heaven to protect me. So God said, I have a host of armies that encamp round about you day and night. Why? Because that's a benefit of your citizenship. Why will I supply everything you need? Because it's a benefit of your citizenship. Why do I always feel like I'm lacking and missing things? Because you had no idea that there are government benefits to your citizenship. As a matter of fact, most of us came in here not even knowing that that's what we had and that's who we are. I'm preaching. I'm not even preaching on my notes. I'm just looking down here because I'm trying to think of something else to say. Because it's just... Can I finish? If, if y'all got to... I, oh, I'm doing good on time. It, but if I get to the end, I'm going to try to take this, you know, up to 12. But if y'all got to go, you can go. You got to get this. If you got pain in your body, you need to put your hand on it. And say, this body ain't mine, God. Your body has pain. And you know what God's going to do when it's his? You think God's going to walk around with pain? You think God can't do something about it? You have to activate the authority. You got to say, Lord. And, you, and listen, Jesus said, say it and say it and say it, and it shall be done. Mark 11, 24, 11 and 23. He said, if you say it and believe it when you say it, it'll be done. And he said this after he cursed the fig tree the day before. He cursed the tree, he cursed it, and he went on about his business. Nothing happened to the tree at the second. But they came back, and they were passing by, and Peter said, Lord, that tree you cursed, it withered and died. And Jesus said, have faith in God. In other words, when you say something, just have faith in God. Leave it. That's done. I, I've, I've given that to you, Lord. Look, I'm lay hands. So, so I used to have this terrible ringing in my ears. And, every time, and so I learned this concept. And every time I would have the ringing in my ears, you would, if you saw me, you would think I was weird. But, but I, was, I would be walking in my house, and the ringing would start, and I would stick my finger in my ear. And I would say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Lord, your ears are ringing. Now, what are you going to do about it? And by your stripes, I am healed. And the ringing will stop. So I didn't freak out. I didn't wig out. I didn't start acting all crazy. I simply took authority over the situation. I went to Cuba one time, and I couldn't, I, I speak a little Spanish, but I, I couldn't, you know, when you go somewhere else, they speak a different Spanish. So, you know, I was in Cuba, and I couldn't, I, we had this language barrier, so I'm preaching, I had translators, and, and I remember there's this, like, 70-year-old lady, and she came by, and I, I, you know, I jumped off the stage, and I'm laying hands on people. I have no idea, no idea. I'm praying in the spirit. I have no idea what, what I'm praying, because y'all know when you pray in the spirit, the Bible says you don't know what you pray. It's between your spirit and God, but you pray the perfect will of God. So I was laying hands, and by the way, we pray in the spirit, so if I get loose in here, y'all just forgive me for a second, but um, I, I, I laid hands on her, and I kept going. I had no idea. The next day, we had another session the next day. She comes running. This is an old lady, too. She came running in, and she came up to me, and she was, she was speaking in Spanish, but fast, like very excited. And I was like, what, what, what happened? I thought something was wrong. And she grabs the interpreter and pulls him over. She said, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed. And I was like, oh, really? I said, well, what happened? She said, yesterday when you laid hands on me, she said, I had chronic head pain. I couldn't even go to the doctor to see what it was. She said, for months, months, and months. And it was ongoing. And when I laid hands on her, it left. I took authority over the headache or the pain. I don't even know what it was. She didn't either. They, they just don't have very good medical in Cuba. 
So sometimes they just live with their issue. But I came in, and she was free because we took authority. That wasn't even my notes, but we'll get to Lord's later. Let me still prove my point about what the Bible is about. God gives his children dominions. So I give my daughter this business, and she doesn't have to worry about the pain of owning it, but she gets the benefits. And here's, here, here's, here's a big point. Why, why, but she, listen, just imagine if that happened, but she didn't know, let's just say, she didn't know the key to making a customer happy. She didn't know the key to making Big Mac sauce. Let's say it was McDonald's. She didn't know the key to perfectly seasoned fries in a beef patty. So I give her ownership. I'll take care of it. I'll, I'll, I'll pay the bills. I'll make sure you got the supplies. You know, I'll send you the staff, whatever. But you get the benefit of the ownership. But let's say she's running it for me. I'm supplying it. Y'all understand the difference? I'm supplying it. She's running it. All right? But she doesn't know the secrets to it. That's a problem. Because if you don't know how it works, even though you have the ultimate authority in the place, you cannot appropriate what you know accordingly. Watch this. Give me Matthew 13, 11. I'm laying a foundation. I got to hurry up too. Jesus says this, Matthew 13, 11. He answered and said to them, it has been given to you to know the mysteries in other translations. It says the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been given. Jesus said to those who are interested, he's talking to his disciples, right? He said, they said, Lord, why do you talk to them in riddles and parables? But then you turn around and tell us plainly. He said, I am giving the ones who are interested the secrets to the kingdom. Why? Because I'm not going to waste my breath with those who just want to do a religious dance in this world. But if you want authority and you want to help me spread the kingdom across this world, if you want to do something for the kingdom, I will give you the secrets. I will tell you exactly how much seasoning to put on that patty. I will tell you exactly how long to cook those fries. I will tell you exactly, no games, no more, no more hiding it. I will tell you exactly and plainly what to do. But you got to know the secrets. How many of y'all know you can be saved? Born again, praying every day, and still life is a mess. Still feel like life is out of control. And what you still, well, this is what, you, what we're trying to do. We try to reapply religion. I'm going back to church on Sunday. I'm going to turn my life around. I'm going back. You know, you, you miss church for a while, and things keep falling apart. Now, good, now, even if you don't know exactly what you're doing, going to church is better than not. Amen. But here's my point. It's so much more. So you come into church, and you reapply the religion. Maybe if I get involved today, I'm going to lift my hands today. I'm not just going to let them praise God by themselves. I'm going to do it. And, and, and then you come in, and you keep doing that. All those things are good, but you know, we could be doing the same thing, but doing it for different reasons. See, I do it because I can't control it anymore. Because the Bible says, let them that have breath praise the Lord. And you know what? I've already used a whole lot of his oxygen today, and I owe him a praise just for that. Just for that. I say, God, I got to praise you because you didn't take your oxygen away from me. God, I got to praise you because you paid my bills this month. God, I got to pray. I got to come in here and I got, excuse me, excuse me. I don't want to step on your pocketbook, knock, you know, knock your stuff out of your hand, but I'm about to praise God. So give me a little room right here. Because you see, people say, well, why didn't Pentecostal folks always trying to praise God like they ain't got no sense? Listen, I know some of it's out of control and a little weird, but in here it's going to be real and authentic because you're going to have the revelation to go with your, 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 your expressions, okay? Because when you got to come in here and say, I owe God a praise no matter how I feel. This is good. Do you understand? 
the mysteries of the kingdom. Watch this. Give me Matthew 4, 17. I got to move quick. Jesus' first public statement. What is the Bible about? We're still on that. What is Jesus' first public statement? Watch this. First public statement. He's on CNN. I'm going to make my first public statement. He said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's talking about a kingdom again. He didn't say repent. Listen, they had plenty of religions already back then. Very religious. Tons of them. They had mysticisms and they had all kinds of isms. Bunches of them. Jesus come and he says, change your mind from all that stuff. Repent just means to change your mind, transform your mind. He said, the kingdom of God is at hand. What that really means is, change your mind because the kingdom has arrived. There is a kingdom here now. A new government. A kingdom is a government term. The kingdom of God, a kingdom is a territory that a king exercises his dominion over. That's what a kingdom is. A kingdom is a territory that, that a king exercises his will, his intent, and his beliefs over that area. Though, by the way, the word dominion in Genesis 1.26 is a Hebrew word, mamlakak, which means kingdom. He said, let them have the kingdom. See, we've been walking around with a religion. Now you wonder why, like, oh, no wonder this ain't working. Because he said, let them have a kingdom. All right, moving on. Jesus' first public statement. Now, here's here's a a huge thing that you never saw before. Jesus never preached. Give me Luke 9, verse 2. Jesus never preached. Watch this, because you've heard all this before. Jesus never preached prosperity. Never. Never. Jesus never preached healing. Y'all have heard a lot of healing messages in your life, haven't you? Jesus, look, Jesus never preached it. Watch this. It gets worse, watch. He never preached healing. He never preached faith. Here's a big one. He never preached salvation. The only time he ever mentioned being born again was at 2 o'clock in the morning to a religious man, and it was a one-on-one conversation. Don't you think... If salvation was the big deal, Jesus would have shouted it to the mountaintops. But what did Jesus shout to the mountaintops? The kingdom of God is like this. The kingdom of God is like that. The kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. I am a king. Kingdom, 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 kingdom. Everywhere he went. Wouldn't, wouldn't, if, if healing was the priority, wouldn't Jesus say, you got to know about healing. If prosperity was the main thing, you need to know how to prosper. And in fact, all of those things, Jesus, all, all of those things were just things he mentioned as he was going about his time, just casual mentions. Why, why is that? Well, look at Luke 9, verse 2. He sends his disciples out one day, and this is what he tells them. Here's your message. He sent them to preach. The word preach means to announce, if you're keeping vocabulary. The word preach means to announce. He sent them out to announce... The kingdom of God, woo, go announce the kingdom, he says. So if Jesus had a church today, what do you think he would say? Pastor Mike, go and preach what? What would you think he would tell me to preach? Kingdom. Come on, that's okay. It's not a trick question. What do you think? Do you think he'd tell me to preach healing? Prosperity? Why? Because Jesus had to be very specific when he told them. He said, preach the kingdom. Why? Because he knows we make up messages. 
We invent stuff because when we don't know the answer and somebody says, I'm sick, we say, well, uh, 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 yeah, dance around three times, lay, lay a cloth on your head, lay on your side, and you're going to be healed. Listen, I, I'm not against signs and wonders. What I'm saying is, it don't even, it, listen, I do what the Holy Spirit tells me to do. If he tells me to lay a piece of paper on your head, I'm going to do it. But the reality is this. If you have authority, you don't have to yell about it. Authority, you don't even have to raise your volume. Just take authority. You don't even have to get loud. You ain't got to dance. You ain't got to do nothing. And why didn't Jesus want us to preach any of the other messages? Why did he send his disciples out and say preach the kingdom? Because all of that other stuff is a benefit of the kingdom. But it's not the message. He wants you to prosper. But that's in the kingdom. He wants you to be healed. But that's in the kingdom. See... Here's what healing is. Here's what healing is. If you're writing a definition, this is my definition, kingdom definition. Healing is evicting a wrong tenant off of government property. If you have a tenant unlawfully taking residence in your home, you can legally remove it if you have the authority. If it's your property. So when sickness moves in, guess what? In the kingdom of God, sickness is illegal. So what happens in earth is all the things that are illegal in heaven are also illegal in the territory of heaven, and that is illegal. So when you say, you don't even have to be religious, you just say, sickness, you are illegal, and you don't belong here, and I command you to go in the name of Jesus, and use your authority. Healing is, is kicking out the unlawful tenant. Because see, when you think about healing as a mystical, like, Oh my God, you know, I hope the Lord heals some people today. And you see all these. Listen, it's very simple. It's very simple. We're evicting the wrongful tenant. Legally. The difference in a church member and a citizen is a citizen has rights. A church member has none. When you think about it in the religious term, you understand what I'm saying. A citizen has the right to exercise the authority. This is going to be a good series. Woo. Jesus didn't preach miracles or what he did, and he didn't send the disciples out to do it. He said, don't preach what I did. Preach the kingdom. Because all of the miracles are in the kingdom. If you're sick and you get a kingdom perspective and you understand, wait, I don't have to yell about this. I don't have to turn around three times. I ain't got to go see Pastor Mike. Pastor Mike, will you please come lay hands on me? No, I'm going to teach you the authority and I want you to get in the mirror and lay hands on yourself and say, get out. And religion makes us depend on the system. The kingdom puts the authority back in your hands. I feel like jumping, y'all. Oh, my God. Are y'all thinking that? OMG. On your Twitter just now. All right, let me, let me, let me, gosh. One more thought, one more thought, one more thought, one more thought. Can y'all, just one more thought, okay? All right, give me Matthew 16, 19. I can land this, I can finish this in five minutes. Give me five minutes. All right, Matthew 16, 19. Here's, here's what Jesus says. Now, Adam took his authority and his dominion and gave it away. Now, Satan controls what, Adam, what, what God owns. God owns it still. 
But now Satan has been legally, because Adam was the, was the resident, so it's kind of like you give your apartment to somebody else and, and don't tell the owner, and now the owner has to go through a legal eviction process. A legal eviction process, which in this case required Jesus coming and dying and, and to, to legally, you know, this is why, let me help you out. God could not, God is not in control. If he was in control, he would wave his hand over the earth and say, be saved. Why could he not do that? Because in the beginning, he said, let man have dominion. What does that mean? That means I created earth for them. They own it. They rule it. Now, I can't just, because I gave it to them, I can't just walk in there. Like, can your landlord, you lease your, your place, right? And you're paying your bills, okay? You're legally in there. He, can he just walk in your house while you're sitting there watching TV and just do what he wants to do in your house? Because he has legally given you the right to run it the way you run it. I run my, my landlord does not tell me how to run my house. Why? Because I have legal possession of it. So God couldn't just come down here, and, and, and by the way, God is spirit, Okay, so spirits, are, all spirits are illegal in the earth. Why? Because he said, I give dominion to man. So Jesus had to put on a man's suit to have any authority. I don't know if you ever heard this before. Jesus didn't come as a man just so he could come as a man. He had to. He had to put on flesh to have any activity to be legal in the earth. He couldn't cast out a single devil without having a flesh suit on. Why? Because flesh is what has authority. Why is, this, why is there so much pain in the world? Because we have authority over it and we're running it like crazy people. Because we have no idea what we're doing. God ain't, look, look, people say, why is the world crazy? God is not in control of this. We are. It's kind of obvious. Heaven is under perfect control. Earth is under chaos. And the Bible says in Romans 8 that the, listen to this, that the present sufferings are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. And the, that the earth is groaning, waiting for, watch this, the sons, not the church members, but the sons of God to be revealed. When will the earth calm down? When we finally realize that we're sons and we put this thing back in order. Did you ever, I mean, churches, listen, I love churches, but we got to get the real message. If the devil can change our message, if he can make me preach healing every week, if he can make me preach prosperity every week, if he can get my mind off of the kingdom principles, then we will walk out of here with just having a piece of the concept. It's like finding a key in your house, but you forgot what it did. You ever find a key and you're like, what is this for? And you don't know which lock it unlocks? That's what religion does. It gives you keys and you don't even know which door to go to. You're like, okay, healing, uh, that didn't work. Uh, I don't even know what this key does. And you have this giant key ring of all these keys and you don't even know which lock and which door and which place to go. And Jesus said, in my Father's kingdom, there are many doors. There are many rooms. Not doors. Let me get that straight. Many rooms. But if, if all my stuff is in that room, but I don't know which key it is, it's no good to me. So this verse right here, this is, this, is what, this is what Jesus gave you. He says, this is when the disciples are all sitting around. Jesus says, what do men say? Who do men say I am? And so they go through that whole thing. And then at the end of that, he says, I'm going to give you, Peter. He's talking to Peter, but he's really talking to everyone. I'm going to give you, listen, the keys of being a Baptist church. Oh, he didn't say that. He didn't say that. Wait a minute. Because that's what people give us. Nothing against Baptists. I'm just saying that that's not what the Bible says at all. It says the keys of the kingdom. And then, oh, wait a minute. And Jesus says, whatever you. Wait a minute. I thought God was in control. No, no, no. 
whatever you, listen, whatever you, whatever you bind, the word bind means lock up. Whatever you lock up on earth, it's already what's, it needs to be what's already locked up in heaven. And whatever you, this translation is not exactly correct because it really means whatever you unlock on the earth is already what's unlocked in heaven. What that really means is stop opening up things and unlocking things that heaven doesn't allow. And stop allowing things that heaven doesn't allow. And then I want you to open the things that heaven wants in this world. So we walk around with different beliefs and different things and different lifestyles and different stuff. And heaven, heaven does not allow it. So can you be a Baptist and have a crazy lifestyle? Yeah. Can you be in the kingdom and have it? Why? Because the kingdom has it set. And we can't, no matter how much we vote on it, it's not a democracy. I can't change it. But if I work the keys, it'll bless me. But if I don't work the keys, then he hasn't cursed me. I've put myself against God. Man. I said I was going to finish right there. Okay. Jesus has given you the keys to the kingdom. Notice that there's more than one key. All right? We're going through the key. Now, from this week on, we're going to go over the keys. Several, several of them. And keys are principles, ideas, and, and kingdom methodologies that is going to unlock. We're going to talk about stuff like giving, the seed, prayer, See, some of these things are kingdom keys. You had no idea what it was for, what it did, or, or how to use it. But you're getting ready to go back from being the bottom to the top. Some of y'all have been wanting to leave and get a promotion and leave your job and start. Listen, you can't even move forward into the things God has for you until you understand the keys. Blessing. Listen, religion makes you chase God. God, you happy with that? You happy with that? You happy with that? Am I doing good? Am I clean? Am I okay? Did I do it right? Did I pray enough? That's what religion does. Kingdom makes God come down to you. And he returns to you what was already yours. And then he covers your faults. And he loves on you. And then that love changes your mind, which in turn changes your behavior. I can't change your behavior unless I can prove to you that God loves you more than the situation you're in. If you're in a situation, be it financial, be it whatever it is, and it could be your own fault, right? God still wants to turn it around, but until you understand whatever he's asking you to do to change it, it's because he loves you and there's something greater you will not feel inclined to change it. You have to believe that that's what he wants for you. All right, so we're going to do two things. I'm going to finish with this last thought right here. I mean, it's the, this is the same thought, but we're going we're gonna to worship God with our giving after I finish this thought. So I'm going to dismiss. You guys can, if you need an envelope, there under the floor, under the chair, or if you're going to use the giving app, we're going to do that together. But let me, can I finish one more? Has this been a good introduction day? I promise I won't. I promise I won't, I won't uh, take it all the way. I usually try to end about 10 till, but, but today I think this is necessary. Matthew 6, 26, and this is the one on our way out. As you're filling out your stuff or filling out Connect card, whatever you're doing, listen to this. If we all get the proper priorities in life, we'll be blessed. But watch this. Matthew 6, verse 26. I don't know. Did I? I might have messed him up. Matthew 6, verse 26 says this. So, now this one might, I love y'all. Let me just tell you, this, it might, this one might sting just a little bit. But I, I love you. I, can I just tell you the truth, though? Okay. 
It's going to bless you. I swear it's going to bless you. If you get proper priorities in your life, you protect what's important. Priorities are to protect what's important. Can we agree on that? You put priorities in place to protect what's important. So what did Jesus think the priority was? Jesus, your mother and your brother are outside. They want to see you. Jesus said, these are my mother and my brother. He didn't even let them in. Now, Jesus is not cold-hearted. He's, trying to, he's only got a certain amount of time on the earth. He's trying to make a point. Jesus said, I came not to bring peace on earth. Because while we, while we all trying to get peace around here. He said, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. He said, families will turn against families. Mothers and daughters will turn against each other. Fathers and sons, they're going to turn against each other. Friends are going to turn against each other. What's the priority? Should it be my family, Pastor Mike? Should it be my money? Should it be my job? What takes the top in my life? 626, Jesus said, it was really plain. He said, no, it's not 26. I apologize. It's 33. That's what it is. 633, I apologize. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then guess what happens? All of those things you're working for, that thing you work extra overtime for, that thing that you tried to get for your children, that healing you've been looking for, that breakthrough you've been looking for, that thing you've been coming to church to get, all that stuff you've been stressing and striving. He said, if you just seek to understand the kingdom, that stuff is going to come to you. He said, if you understand the kingdom, make this your priority. I'm so glad y'all didn't go to the lake, but you made the kingdom your priority. Go tomorrow. Go after church, but make it a priority. Listen, when you find a church that's preaching the kingdom, and and listen, let me tell you something. There's only a handful in this whole nation. Only a handful. When you hear a church saying kingdom, 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 that doesn't mean they're preaching the kingdom. Unless they're opening the concepts, you still have no idea. It's just a cliche word. Until they break it down for you of what it is which is what I'm committed to doing over every message I preach has a kingdom, has a kingdom layer in it. It has the grace of God mixed in it. it. I don't try to teach it without the whole concept. Amen. Jesus said, somebody say it with me, seek first the kingdom. Wow. Go ahead and stand on your feet all over this place. Wow. Can you put your hands together? I went over a little bit, but is that okay for today?